Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Tough Love Terry podcast. On today's episode, Jill and I sit down and go through 50 discovery questions and get to know each other a little bit more. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, I am here with Jill Karlowski, my partner in crime for the Enlightened Mind business. And part of our uh, blog post was writing 50 discovery questions to get to know yourself a bit better. But for today's podcast, we are going to answer them for each other to see what we can discover about each other. Oh, all right. So what is the first question? Okay. The first question is, what was your favorite childhood game? Oh, okay. Okay, Terry. Uh, I really, well, if I think of games, I really liked jump rope, like the, the not double dutch, but where you still had two people on the ends. Oh, yeah, um, okay. And then you would run in and, like, sing the songs, but then, yeah, I always oh, liked yeah, that because yeah, yeah. you always try to get more than the person before you, so it was like. And it was like a fun, like group of people like yeah and the, yeah exactly and you all you were working together kind of so i always liked i liked those games too actually a lot like i used to jump rope out like every recess um i don't know as a kid favorite game like board game or like actually whatever you want i don't know that's just if you a... think back to your childhood what games i did loved you like playing to... with barbies i don't like game but i just i oh, loved yeah. having like yeah my like probably barbies i'd like literally bring them with me out just like around. On yeah, Corey and, and I used to play. I think there is a question about toys coming up, but Corey and I used to play with Barbies all the time. Mm. Yeah, but mine was more like, let me make the house and let me dress them up and then tell their. It's basically what I do right now with the boudoir photography. <laughs> I just, I always joke What's that like pe- people, people are my like Barbie dolls now. That's kind of how it manifests now for me, which is kind of funny. Interesting. And you are your own Barbie doll now because mm-hmm. you do that with yourself. And I have my own Barbie, and so do you. There you go. Okay. What did you like about it? We kind of covered that a little bit, but... Uh, Yeah, we did. Okay. Okay. What was a food that you disliked as a child, but you enjoy now? Hmm. Mine was potatoes, apparently. I don't even remember not liking them, (laughs) but my mom said, like, uh, that's when I'd have to sit at the table, like, until I finished my plate. Like, that was always the thing. Um, It was always potatoes. And now I freaking love mashed potatoes, like creamy mash. So good. Sweet potatoes. So good. What kind of, like, potatoes did you not like as a kid? Like, you just wouldn't eat them? All of hated potatoes. Interesting. I feel like that's usually, like, something most kids like. Um, for me, something I didn't like as a child. Well, I think just any kind of vegetable, really. Like, <laughs> And I, now, look at you. <laughs> well, no, because before I was vegan, I unexpectedly became, like, a vegan slash plant-based diet. Like, I'm not, I'm not judgy, but just, like, yeah, I would say... I had to basically learn how to eat vegetables because I couldn't eat the stuff I used to eat anymore because I just I saw too much and <laughs> yeah so definitely pretty much all the vegetables really? like interesting peppers I didn't like yeah all that stuff <laughs> just like I wouldn't eat like eggplant I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't even try it uh, I still don't like eggplant it spongy depends. I'll don't just like that I just gotta I just gotta do it just, just power through do I like it I don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay what is a, the first book that you remember reading. Hmm, that's a good question. Oh, the book, the first book that I don't remember the title of it, it was a, one of the Sweet Valley Twins books, hmm. but it was the first time I could see pictures in my head from what I was reading. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I remember my mom, like, saying, she's like, I can't wait until when you start reading books, you're going to be able to picture 
what the words are telling you. And I remember specifically there was a part where they were describing what she was wearing and there was something about like fluffy blue socks. And I can literally bring up the, conjure up the exact same image I had when the, that was the first picture I could see in my head from something I had read. Cool. Yeah. How old do you think you were? Mm, I was probably about seven, maybe six or seven. Cause yeah, I think the first time I had that experience was like when I was being read to like for my mom like the first time I vividly can remember like really like getting into like books was Nancy Drew like I used to love love Nancy Drew books but um I think the first book that I ever had that happened with myself was like a Junie B. Jones book oh yeah (laughs) that that was probably my my own um okay what is your first memory of your body uh, so the one I always talk about in like body image boot camp is when I was like four years old mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, stepping into the living room and declaring I was going to be a ballerina and my aunt was like, no, you're too fat. And I was like four. Mm. Don't worry. I showed her I did I become know. a ballerina <laughs> at 27 and 280 pounds. Mm-hmm. She could suck it. And now Terry has lots of tutus and lots of fun things. Well, not anymore, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess we, yeah, but. <laughs> what about you? Um, well, the, like, aware of my body. The one that I, like, have talked about before doing body image boot camp stuff was when I was going to, like, a laundromat one time, and there were all these, I was really little. I was swimming the morning up before, so I was wearing, like, a, like a Speedo type, like, just, like, a one-piece um, bathing suit. And my mom, I guess, didn't bring me, like, pants. Like, I had, like, a little cover-up, but it, I was, like, you know. And she's, like, these guys might, like, make comments at you when you walk by, but, like, you just, like, don't, like, I don't know. She's, like, don't, just don't, like, listen to what they say kind of thing. And, like, I did feel like they were, like, something was weird about that. Like, I remember feeling weird, but I was, like, what did I do wrong? But I didn't do anything mm. wrong, you know what I mean? So it's kind of a weird yeah thing. But they were kind of, like, these, like, guys that were just, like, loitering outside, I guess. Like, I don't I don't understand. But it was kind of <laughs> not in the best area, I think. I think it was just, like, maybe they were, I don't know. But, yeah, that was when I was kind of aware that, like, something maybe was wrong. But next question, I think. <laughs> like, moving on. <laughs> uh, yes. What do you uh, remember about your caretakers? Oh, so like your parents. Yes. So for me, I remember my mom doing literally everything. Like, um, she always did a bunch of different jobs. She was a seamstress. Uh, we had a market garden. We worked at the ski hill. She did account. She worked at an accounting firm. She worked at a liquor store. She basically was like a multifaceted entrepreneur. Um, and like, so what I saw as a kid was just like, oh, like you can make a living doing shit that you like, and you can do a lot of things that you like. Like you random don't, stuff. You don't just have to pick one thing, and that was really cool. Growing mm. up, uh, and then obviously hearing from my mom that was the reason why that was the way that it was is because we were actually bank like on the brink of bankruptcy as a farm and she was just trying to make ends meet but she was trying to do it in a way that she could enjoy the things that she was doing if that makes sense Mm. um so yeah so that's for her and then the main thing about my dad uh would be 
that he was always puttering around. Um, always doing stuff. Like, always had something to do. Yeah, and he'd always make, like, dad jokes. Where, that's where my sense of humor comes from, for sure. Like, super dry sense of humor, far side comics. Um, like, that's kind of what we bonded over. He was really good at math. Like, really, really good at math and engineering kind of stuff. So he would get frustrated with me, who was not great at math. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't understand. Yeah, I literally couldn't understand. But then he was so good at it that he didn't know how to dumb it down for me. Oh, yeah. So then there would just be a disconnect. So that was not super great for our relationship. And yeah. then the other thing I remember about him was when I like play piano all the time, he'd always like turn on the TV on like uh, hockey night in Canada. Uh, so then, and then he would be like, turn on, like stop playing piano or whatever. And then, so I learned how to play hockey night in Canada theme song. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> so oh. I was like, well, now you can't tell me to stop it off. Cause I'm just going to play while the theme song. That's playing. so cute. <laughs> would you like time it? You were yeah. Actually, oh yeah. If I knew, if I knew I wanted to play, like if I knew what I wanted to play around that time, he just like would shake his head and be like, oh. Terry has her performance. Yeah. It's like, instead of singing the, Strategy. Album, the anthem, you just play <laughs> Everybody stand for O Canada, please. (laughs) What about you? Um, Well, I kind of related, like, when you were talking about the disconnect, I think that was a big thing for me. Like, I think that my, there was a disconnect between uh, my stubbornness and just, like, wanting to do things my way and people around me who wanted me to do things, Mm. quote unquote, like, the right way or, like, the, their way and what they knew. And so... There was a lot of that, I think, in my experience, just with my both my parents, my dad especially, um, in terms of like academic stuff, just him being very intellectual is hard for me because I want to connect with him, but I it, it always was kind of hard to have him teach me things, but he's very patient, so that was good. My mom, very impatient, very <laughs> impatient, um, and she would get frustrated and, and like sometimes lash out a bit when I didn't do things right, so that was kind of tough, but yeah, just she was pretty critical um also was very protective of me though and I know she had really good intentions and I like she would go out of her way to like make sure that I had good memories and I always appreciated her effort Mm. but uh I think there was a lot of I don't know it's just interesting like a lot of just like kind of passive aggressiveness maybe because I think my parents were very motivated to have kids because they wanted to give what they didn't have and then it was kind of like this sense of like, why don't you appreciate it? But it's mm. like not necessarily stuff that maybe I wanted to do yeah. like in and of myself. Like I wanted to please them, yeah. but it kind of shifted my focus more to be on pleasing people mm-hmm. that I love than on like, what do I want to do kind of yeah. thing. So that's kind of something I still, I still grapple, like I still grapple with that, like in my life now. But yeah, that's kind of something I remember being a theme. Um, what else? My dad was really good. Like doing things I told him to do (laughs) like I would just tell him what to do and like he would just listen to me so I always liked that like when I had like a sticker book for example like I wanted to be perfect and I knew I wasn't good at putting stickers because my like I just had little (laughs) hands and I don't you know so but I knew he was like very meticulous and so I like strategy individualization (laughs) then too (laughs) so I was sitting down like I have like a memory of us like sitting at the kitchen table and I'm like directing him where to put the stickers in this book yeah he's like putting them down perfectly so like stuff like that was always he was really good or even like playing computer games like I would tell him what to do (laughs) or I wanted to win and I knew he was better at the game than me so I would like sit next to him while he played while I just kind of like directed yeah (laughs) like we won even though you didn't do anything yeah literally Uh, always hooked your cart to the the the, the, (laughs) the computer 
<laughs> um, that's funny. But yeah, so I think I've always kind of liked the command. Like, like that, I think, was probably always maybe something that was there. My mom just uh, always kind of liked pushing her buttons and vice versa, like her teasing me back. So, yeah. yeah. Lots of stuff. Uh, what do you remember about your childhood pet? Uh, so the first dog I remember us having, his name was Prince. Hmm. Um, he was a big shaggy, I don't even know, probably just like a mutt dog on the farm. But, uh, I don't remember much about him. I just remember when he died. He like... What color? Like what kind of dog? He was like, I don't know. He was just a mix. Like a big dog or a small dog? Oh, he was a big dog, yeah. We never had small dogs on the farm. They would have been eaten for sure. But, (laughs) but... So traumatized. No, but like, because then he would just get old. And then, so I was pretty young when he died, I think. But he... Basically, he just, like, he died on our lawn. Yeah. Like, um, usually dogs will try to go away to, like, die. So, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like, they'll try to isolate from the yeah, people yeah, yeah. so they're alone. So, but he, yeah, right on the lawn. So, I remember that from mm-hmm. him. Um, the the dog that I remember the most from my childhood, his name was Cody. So, that was, like, during my teen years. And he was probably, like, the the best dog for me at that point was a golden lab well it's probably still mixed but we Mm. we always just got dogs from the auction mart (laughs) so yeah people always give puppies away so that's where we got him but he was like through me through like yeah my teen years and stuff and then he ate a bunch of fudge and got diabetes (laughs) yeah Hmm. dogs should not have that much sugar (laughs) no or chocolate like yeah that's hard on them what about for you uh, well, I was super into dogs and my parents, like my dad is very allergic. And so <laughs> he was always kind of like, no, and we, we moved around a lot. So they were like, it's not responsible. A bunch of excuses. Well, that's good though. Well, yeah. So I got really into dogs though. And I didn't like that. I couldn't control that. So <laughs> my strategy was just to like persist until they listened. And that actually did work after like two years. Um, but we went to Petland basically like paid you know, ridiculous, like, $1,000 at the time for this, like, little Maltese puppy, and she was extremely inbred, and we don't really know what's wrong with her, but, yeah, her name is Jessie, and she just, like, I didn't even cry when she died, like, she died a couple years ago, and, like, I, because she was so decrepit, and, like, so, she had so many, like, problems, I, I don't even know, I don't know, I felt like it was cruel for her to have, like, kept being alive yet, even as long as she lived, because, like, her life was so hard, and she just had so many mental problems, but Petland, like, they gave us our money back, and they were like, well, if you want, we can just give you another puppy, but then you know they're going to just put the dog down, so we're Jesus. like, no, but we had this dog for, like, 13 years almost, and she, yeah, just a lot of help, a lot of care, like, she wouldn't walk on a leash, like, mm. she couldn't go to the bathroom sometimes, like, it was just, like, a lot of work, but we always kept her, kept her around, so she was, it was kind of, I guess, uh, I think in my head I got attached to, like, an outcome with a dog that it was going to be, like, my best friend, but mm. then I got cats after that. And, that's... and then cats were... And then I did have a good... I had a best friend that was a cat, so that was good. There but... you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question. Um, next question. Okay. What was your favorite summertime activity as a child? Mm, uh, swimming in the river. Oh, yeah. I really liked that. And collecting rocks in the river. Is that where you had the swing where you would jump off? 
We did not have a swing oh, into nope. the river. Okay. Where did you come up with that idea? I don't remember. Uh, no, maybe but we used to go tubing down the river. Oh, maybe but, that was what it was. But um, mostly we would just like, because there's, when I say river, I mean actually like a creek. It was, <laughs> you could walk across it. But there would be parts because it was like a winding river. So then the water would get caught in like one of the windy bits. So then it would make a really deep section. Hmm. So like, because we lived on a farm, so we'd be working a lot during the day, like either in the orchard or like in the field or whatever so it would just always feel nice to go swimming in the river hmm interesting yeah um i like swimming too mine is probably swimming but i always swam in like pools which is why <laughs> now i'm afraid of swimming in a river <laughs> <laughs> makes sense um yeah i did competitive swimming so that's probably my favorite thing <laughs> i didn't do competitive swimming i just like kind of floundered around in fact my swimming <laughs> lessons i stopped at red because i was like i can't go underwater without plugging my nose so <laughs> yeah i'm good I, I still can't dive. Yeah, that's the thing. They're like, you if you want to pass your diving, you have to, like, dive. You can't plug your nose. No, I don't like that. And I was like, not it's happening. It's like, I'll go like this. I'm like, I know how to swim, and I know how to save people, so we're good. Yeah. Um, okay, what was your favorite part of fall time? Uh, and still is, maybe. I like crispiness. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, I like that I can wear hoodies. Mm-hmm. That's, like, really nice. Um, without feeling too hot, mm-hmm. which is great. And I like, obviously, all the different colors mm-hmm. that happen in the fall. But, yeah, I just like that it's, like, cooler. I always liked, like, pumpkin patch things or, like, going and, like, doing, like, the wagon stuff. Because oh, yeah? Because it was kind of fun. Yeah, or, like, doing stuff like that or, like, carving pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Or, like, leave, uh, leave pile jumping. Like, I would always, like, when someone would rake leaves and you just jump in it. Mm-hmm. I liked, I liked Awesome. Cool. Okay, what was your favorite outdoor activity in the spring? As a uh, kid? So as on the farm, we went, where we lived, we had a little hill on the road. Mm-hmm. So like when it really rained or whatever, the water would obviously run down the hill. So we'd dig trenches with sticks and then we would like For make... Fun? Yeah, oh, so okay. you'd like drift like along the side, not in the middle of the road, obviously, because there was trucks and shit. But like off to the side of the road, and like b- before you hit the ditch, we would like drag sticks to make deeper crevices to make like waterfalls, and oh. then we would use like little sticks to make bridges. It's like and castle kind of, but like just like, yeah. Downhill. So you you would direct the water to where you wanted it to go, essentially. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of like, yeah, I, like I had a sandbox. I feel like I kind of have a similar, similar deal. I liked, in the springtime, I liked being able to go on the swing side again. Like, mm. when that was a new thing and I could go back outside to the park, I loved playing in the playground. One time, <laughs> I remember being little, and so we had a swing set, but our lawn was very much, a, like, a depression, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a, a bit of a concave. Mm-hmm. So when it rained, it would, like, all pool in the mm-hmm. middle, kind of. And I remember wearing literally, like, ski pants, jacket, but all the snow had melted, so it was just pure water under the swing set, and I fell backwards. Mm. That was not a delightful moment in the spring, but I Trauma. remember it <laughs> clearly. Have you worked it? <laughs> clearly not. <laughs> Discoveries. Yeah. Okay. What was the lesson that you learned in your teens that stuck with you? Oh, that's a good question. As a teen, mm. was that even if you don't have a title, you can still be a leader. That's a good lesson. Yeah, like on my, I think about my volleyball team, like I was never the captain, but Mm -hmm. they still, like my coach would, like when we were like, when you could tell the rest of the team was like starting to falter or whatever, she would look at me to like 
pick everyone up like to like come on let's keep going like we like to push forward on everything even though I wasn't the captain mm-hmm. um but but not receiving that title made me really frustrated for a long time and I remember my mom sitting me down and saying like you can still lead even though you don't have a title mm-hmm. um and that is still something I try to think of now so if I don't necessarily just because I don't have a certain station in life or haven't become the best at something doesn't mean I can't be a cheerleader it doesn't mean I can't lift people up or motivate them or influence them hmm. that's that true that's a really good like, lesson actually to learn yeah from like a teenager like mm-hmm. a I was very self-reflective as a child you were a high vibe basically <laughs> mm, I'm a something um I don't know a lesson that learned I don't remind let's I don't be learn. clear for Jill this was literally like six years ago <laughs> I think for me, I, I was always somebody that I, like, in terms of my friends, I think because moving around as a kid, I always was, like, uprooted, so I never really had consistent, uh, like, friendships over my childhood or, like, my teenage years, so I think it was the importance of making sure that people are not included necessarily, but just making sure that I'm, like, aware of like it not mattering if somebody's in your like social clique or not. Like mm. I, I kind of ignored those like social rules, mm-hmm. I guess, or unsaid rules that people kind of are like, oh, like she's not part of our group kind of a thing. But I kind of was always like, well, like I don't care. Like I always saw people on the outside and I always felt almost more drawn despite being like, I always fit in with the popular group, I would mm-hmm. say, like at least in high school for sure. But I was weird because I would also have friendships outside of that. And I also cared a lot about the girls that weren't like, I went to an all girls school. So I cared about the girls that were like very misunderstood or that were like, like obviously going through a lot of other stuff outside of my like immediate Mm -hmm. circle of close friends. So yeah, I just would say I tried to be friends kind of with everybody, even Mm. if it wasn't. Yeah. And you do that now. Like socially advantageous for me to do it in terms of like popularity. Like I didn't really care about that in the same way that I think a lot of people do at the time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what is the hardest thing you've ever uh, gone through so far? Mm. Well, for me, it was my dad dying mm. uh, and watching it happen. The next question is, really how did hard. you go through it? Or how did you get through it? Like, what? Like, how did you? Uh, just one day at a time and with a good sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and literally being grateful for, like, like... Towards the end, there was, like, nine days where we were in the uh, hospice together, like, um, palliative care, whatever they called it, in the hospital. And so, again, kind of the same thing where I was like, okay, like, what can I do to lead people through this? Even though I was a kid, like, it was my dad and my mom was still there, obviously. But I knew my mom was, like, very focused on, like, whatever. She had to take care of all the logistical stuff as well as caring for my, like, losing her partner. But then I had my younger sister that was there. And so I was like, okay, what can I do to, like, feel in control? So uh, I basically just, like, took it one day at a time. But I would, like, play piano for the whole ward, like, the whole palliative care ward. So that way, in an effort. But that also helped me process, too. Like, Mm -hmm. it was a good escape to feel like I was giving. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, yeah, I was like, how can I help other people while I'm going through this? So that way I didn't sit sit in that. Yeah. Um, And then the other thing was, yeah, like, showing up for my sister. And so, like, when there were times when my dad would, like, be, uh, what's not, not lucid, but, like, 
where he's like so drugged up but like he's, he would start screaming or like whatever because he's in yeah, pain yeah. like it was very traumatic like when i think about it um but in that moment all i could think about was like how can i prevent my sister from experiencing what mm-hmm. what's happening so i would literally like have to hold my dad's arms down and like be really strong in that moment for my sister and just like yeah just like step in and take care of her so basically it was just like not ever thinking about myself which to be fair came back to bite me in the ass 10 years later because you still need to deal with just because you're not dealing with the feelings doesn't mean they go away um but it was the thing that helped me survive it and get me through that was focusing on how I could be of service to other people and how you can make a situation that is very traumatizing a little bit less traumatizing for everybody around yeah 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 exactly like and like, yeah and I even remember like literally like I was in the room when he took his last breath mm-hmm. and like I remember I didn't cry mm-hmm. like I was the only one in the room that didn't cry which obviously probably looked weird to people and I was like why aren't you sad but like Number one, I saw it coming, so it's not a surprise. But also, I realized my thing has always been I'm a Libra, so it's always about balance for me. So, like, if everyone else is crying, I can't because I need to be the strong one for the them. Yeah. Does that make sense? And then I can go cry After. on my own, like, whatever. Or, or you can cry like, to them later. Like, yeah. Like, they're not crying. Like, you know what's Yeah, exactly. Like, take my turn later on down the road kind of thing. So... Um, yeah, so I think it was like taking it one day at a time and then saying like, how can I show up for other people? Um, and what can I do to show up for other people today? That's like so courageous. I feel like that's such a good way to like, I think, yeah, I think that's such a good way to approach situations that are out of your control and that are traumatizing. So I feel like at least then you're like making it less like you're, it's less traumatizing and you're making a difference. Like that's such a nice, like, well, I think like one of the things I always tell people is like, like if you just have an emotion, Mm -hmm. but don't put it into action, then Mm -hmm. it becomes toxic usually. So if you're sad, outraged, mad, whatever, that's fine. You can feel that, but then take that and turn it into some sort of action. Don't just be victimized Um, by it and like like, paralyzed. Yeah. Which is easier said than done. I'm sure. But like that to me is always something that maybe because I was also bullied as a kid. So maybe that's kind of also what I did when I was like on a smaller scale than watching somebody pass away. But like when I was being targeted uh and being bullied Mm -hmm. i would then say okay let me help out with the kindergartens or the grade one kids like i would always turn it back to helping instead of just sitting there Uh, investing in it yeah exactly instead of like ruminating on it so i think that just was like a larger scale that's like your intuition kind of like is just your Mm intuition like intuitive response like okay how can i step up and help that's Make such sure. a good, yeah. But then as long as you also process for yourself, which, like, if you know that Which I didn't do until well, later. But, yeah, but now I know if I go through something like that again, I know that I can still be there for other people, but I also need to, like, also take time for myself in order to be there for people. Like, force yourself to actually take yeah, the time. Yeah, like, to say, it. okay, like, when I realize, like, after, okay, now now they feel, they're doing okay, now it's your time. And, yeah. and to be okay to take that time yeah. or give myself permission to take that time where i didn't do that before so it's almost like okay i'm gonna trade this okay enough talking about me you didn't answer so though um what was the lesson i learned in my teens that stuck with me no or no sorry what yeah that was the what question. is the hardest thing you've oh, ever, gone, thing through? ever gone, gone through don't you try sorry, to okay. evade the question um, the hardest thing i've ever gone through uh well i don't know probably just mental illness sort of stuff probably just like because it's continuous 
is changing. I would say that's probably overall. Was yeah. there ever a specific incident that mm. it was like heightened more? I would at say at a certain time in your life. It just kind of changes. Like it's just changed with time. Like I think. Like, for me, it started at such a young age that I was having these problems that I think I just have kind of had to adapt. It's adapted as I've grown and as I've evolved. So, yeah. And I think just continuously, like, now knowing, like, seeing the evolution from another perspective, like, through therapy and through, like, doing a lot of work on my own um, kind of processes and, like, my own behaviors and that stuff, it really helps you recognize it. And like at, it, when you can see it from the outside, it's a lot easier to manage it on a day-to-day basis. So, but how have you gotten through, like, when it was at its darkest moments? Um, like, because obviously when it comes to mental health, there are some ways that some people don't get out of it. Yeah. So what allowed you to, what what in you got you out of it? Uh, For me, well... That, like, at lowest points, probably just other people. Like, honestly, because I, it wasn't enough for me, for me anymore. Like, that wasn't, like, it wasn't enough just for me. Like, I needed there to be something more. Mm -hmm. So it was almost just the people that I loved. I didn't want to, like, it was just kind of, like, mitigating those people being in pain or hurting. Mm. So that's, when I'm at the lowest point, that's usually what it's not even about me at all anymore. And it's literally just, I have to just be there for these people. Mm -hmm. So in that way, that's kind of been the thing. And like, I would say like as a whole, it's kind of interesting because that's my thought process, but also those people are the ones that have helped me through it. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, it goes both ways there, but yeah, like having support and um, also just setting myself up to succeed more. Like if I know there's things that I keep, like if I keep doing something that makes me feel bad and I don't adjust the way I'm approaching it then that's where I feel like it's I'm not taking the responsibility over it and I'm not doing my best to like handle my like deal with myself because mm-hmm. I, I need to do I need to adapt and continue to grow and that's how I think I'm able to like survive essentially with all these things that I deal with and like somehow be okay for the most part now gotcha yeah cool um what is your biggest accomplishment in your teen years Oh, as a teen? Mm-hmm. I like that I'm surprised at these questions, even though I'm the one that wrote them. Um, <laughs> so what? Um, but yeah, literally, I was just like coming up with questions. It was weird. But anyways, uh, my biggest accomplishment in my teen years. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, I think for me, I would say... The most uncomfortable situation that I was proud that I ended up doing was when uh, I was leading our team captain for our uh, geography trip. Like, so I was in charge of a group of people that did not like me or did not really know me. They didn't know me enough to like me or, but they were not super nice like they were very cliquey people but like I had basically people from like three or four different cliques in my tent group Mm. where every other tent was like friend groups Mm. so like I had to manage people that I a I didn't know but also people that I was younger than some of them Mm. uh and all these different personalities and stuff so I had to step into like this role um, so I did that, but, but there was a point where I had to have tough conversations with them, um, where I had to swallow the, the fear of not being liked because mm-hmm. it was for the betterment of 
our whole group, our group as a whole. Mm. Um, so I had to, yeah. So I was very proud of myself that I swallowed that to have that tough conversation, mm. um, to make sure that our group as a whole would benefit. And, uh, and I did it. And after that, they showed me way more respect. So it paid off in the end, but like, but I very, I very easily could have just avoided the confrontation of that conversation and yeah. just like been like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. Because I just remember going up to the girls to have the conversation and I would literally like I could feel it like up here in my neck. It was just like hot, mm-hmm. you know, when that adrenaline just gets going and you're like, okay, you like kids on now or never. <laughs> oh, but I did it. And like, yeah, and then I guess that's when I realized that, because at first when my geography teacher told me I was going to be this team captain of the group, I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, what do you see? Like, but that's when I recognized what he saw, I mm. think. And now I feel like you don't really struggle with that at all. Like, no, no, I just tell you. Like, now I have that. these tough conversations because I know ultimately if it's for the betterment of the community, the team, whatever, then... It's like better it's better to get it out of the way uncomfortably at the beginning instead of letting it That's get true. to a point where I'm just livid or mad or, or a huge problem. And, and then you might say yeah and then everybody's affected not just you anymore does that make sense so yeah. like calling things out having that conversation earlier on so obviously it's a practice like the more I do it the easier it gets and it's still I still feel I don't like confrontation but that's why I always say I don't like it, but I'm not afraid of it. Like, I will I will have those tough conversations. And actually, I was just listening to the uh, Brene Brown podcast where she talked about uh, different ways that you can have those tough conversations. And my mom wrote a book on it um, about how you can start, like, help me to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, this is the story I'm telling myself about yeah. how, this right now. And things like that. And that's that, the. That this is my story. This is what I'm telling myself right now. That's that's yeah. like that's something I like to use because yeah. Yeah, totally because then deep. it's like yeah, it basically diffuses yeah. the situation, and then to breathe before you. <laughs> that's the other thing. Like, don't react, but respond instead. So it's like taking a minute to recognize if I like, and that was the thing I had to do before I had that confrontation with her. Was like basically sit down, like reflect with myself, and say, okay, like taking away your ego is this a valid thing to be upset about Mm -hmm. or like frustrated with and if the answer is yes okay now you can proceed with that conversation but I was having those conversations with myself as a teen like that to me is like wild yeah that as a teen I was still like self-reflecting and saying like okay like you don't want to rock the boat if you don't have to so let's make sure it's not your ego that's in the way but rather like what 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 is the point of you go like doing this? Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's so, so it's cool. kind of funny. It's cool how it connects now to how, like, yeah. how you are. Like it, maybe yeah. like, maybe you weren't always this way, and that's literally how you became that way. That's cool. yeah. That's why they're discovery questions because yeah. it's like, oh fuck, I was always like this. That's so funny. Back to the back to the. Roots. So you, what about you? What was uh, your biggest achievement as a teen? Probably, well, it's kind of like ironic in a way because I didn't really achieve much doing like actually from doing it. But I would say the modeling, like, just doing that mm-hmm. in terms of me just doing it was a lot for me, I think. Yeah. Because I, like, to make it short, basically, for the podcast, I'll just, it's like, I tried doing plus-size modeling because I recognized, like, I started when I was 10 years old, and uh, not plus-modeling, but just getting into it. And then I took, like, the, this class, and, like, I learned about it. I did my first shoot, and then I kind of took the class again when I was a little bit older, I think 14 or 15, 
and they were like, well, you know, like your weight, you're kind of like in between, like you could kind of like, you know, and this agent I had who was, you know, I don't whatever. So she was like, I think there's a way, like this is going to be in the future. This could be a thing. Like, I think this might be good if you don't want to lose weight. Like here are kind of your two options. They're going to have to lose 20 pounds. Um, and at the time I was maybe about like seven pounds from being underweight to give you an example. So 20 pounds, like I definitely like that would be getting really small. And I also, at the time I knew that it would never be enough. Like I had this, I, I already in like my number, like sitting there thinking like, it'll never, you'll never be small enough. Like just mm -hmm. because even if I was 20 pounds lighter, it would still never be enough because that, that industry at that time was just always, always, um, wanting people that were smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And I just... I could see that problems. So I was like, okay, well maybe I'll, I can do the other thing. Maybe I meant maybe to be more that way. Um, but then as I was gaining weight, I like, I couldn't get big enough because I was never meant to be like that size. Like that's not naturally like who like I, I was, but mm -hmm. I still tried. And I, it taught me a lot of just about myself and about life and people and just kind of, I don't know. And, it, it and that's me how we met. It is. Cause I was, yeah. <laughs> Cause someone recommended Terry. Cause it, you know, they're like, Hey, like, I think, you know, she, she photographs plus size and then Jill walks in. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> we weren't even doing boudoir. I'm like, like I mean, you're just kind like, of plus, maybe like you, yeah, like I was maybe a hips. size eight, maybe a size ten at my heaviest. I like, was like, whatever. It was like I it, now knowing what I know, like I was definitely not plus size, but yeah. like it was just the but idea, in the though, fashion industry at that time. That's what it was it is. progressive. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, just asking like agents those questions and like putting them on the spot was good for me. I think hmm. to being like, oh, like what are the opportunities? You know, yeah. And when they had nothing to say, it's kind of like, well, you know. <laughs> Anyways, um, what is your biggest accomplishment to date? Oh, to date. There's so many. Um, um, or one of them. I feel like it's kind of hard to put it just one. Yeah. I, I think right just... now I would classify my biggest accomplishment to date is that I've been able to make a living doing awesome shit. <laughs> like, like the things that the, like if you would, do, if you would have told 15 year old Terry, like, guess what you're going to be doing in your thirties, like you're, you're going to be photographing naked humans and making women feel badass, And like, you're going to be traveling around the world and you're going to be photographing people all over the world. And you're going to be leading workshops on body image and like all learning of, about spirituality. Like, and, like yeah, you know, yeah, all yeah. like all of, all of this. And you're going to be able to implement all that creative stuff that everyone told you wasn't a real job and you're going to be able to do it in a way that still gives you an income to live the life that you want mm -hmm. um i think that proving proving those dum-dums wrong <laughs> basically but also proving to myself that literally if you are passionate enough about whatever it is like don't no it doesn't matter what other people say if you're passionate about it and you work hard enough and you do what you need to do that you can do it Mm -hmm. I think, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the biggest accomplishment is just that, yeah, you basically just achieved that I did, I a situation did, where... Yeah, I, I realized that, and, and, like, it's something good to remind myself, because as I'm going through, like, a business transition now, 
is like you did this before you can do it again like when when i quit my full-time job working at insurance mm-hmm. to become a wedding and portrait photographer i was like what the fuck am i doing but yeah. i did it anyways and it was fine and then when i quit doing weddings and port and like family portraits to do just boudoir everyone's like what the fuck are you doing you can't make money like doing that much money yeah this like like weddings are what pays the bills and i was like yeah but i'm not super passionate about that anymore like this is where i'm meant to be and like look at all the opportunities that have opened up for me as a result of me following that like my heart essentially and my gut um instead of listening to everybody else around me but it's so much easier said than done i feel like oh so so much well it took yeah and it still is hard and then the further I got in the photography industry, even now that's what I struggle with is like, okay, but like you can do so much more than just taking photos Mm -hmm. to do this mission. So like, what are you going to do about that? And that's what like kind of I struggle with. So it's like, so to me, it's like reminding myself, but I have that accomplishment of you've done it before Mm -hmm. you can do it again kind of thing Mm -hmm. to remind myself that it is possible. So, yeah. And I think like also you're just always ahead. Like Terry's very ahead of the trends always. And she's very in the future. Yeah, and I think, like, yeah, lots of accomplishments. Like, the fact that I created a body image boot camp. That was cool. Yeah. Like, I never would have thought that could have happened. Uh, traveling to Japan. Never thought that was going to happen, but it yeah. made it happen. Um, being the first person in my family to graduate university. Yeah. With distinction. Cool. Love that. First person in the advanced creative writing program. Cool. Love that. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> like, there's a lot of, like, really cool shit. That's... That you've done. But, like, things that, like, people are, like, mm, you, can't you know, they give you, that. like, a side eye about doing or that's not a real job. And, like, and I oh. was, like, well, you know what? Who cares? Let me try anyways. Like, the fact, I think that would be the accomplishment is saying, like, I hear you, <laughs> but, but no. fuck you. Yeah, and, like, still going and doing the thing, <laughs> like, following myself, even when I, like, it's okay to ask. I think it's okay to ask people, like, what do you think? And, like. But ultimately, really getting quiet and listening to myself to say, you know what, this feels right. Just keep going and it will be okay. Yeah, like listening to your internal versus mm. external. Yeah. yeah. So that's my biggest accomplishment to date. Uh, I think my biggest accomplishment to date would probably be, probably be uh, the ways that I have pushed myself to grow as a person because when I think about even how I was like even like five years ago like it's just crazy like it's like a totally different and it's weird I think I'm just somebody that's very much like I like to transform myself and I like to keep growing and I don't like to just like like I always told like my partner even like I'm like I need to I need somebody that will grow with me because I just Mm -hmm. have this push to grow all the time like I'm like I gotta like expand I want to learn like I want to be better or grow and get like further understand understand more and now is more as I'm getting older it's understanding understanding Mm -hmm. and it's just like yeah I think just how many changes I've gone through as a person and how much I've opened my mind and how much I've I think um I just think yeah I think I could have lived a very shallow existence if I hadn't pushed myself to (laughs) <laughs> understand more and when I, think, I first met jill she was on a very different track <laughs> yeah no but that's the thing though but i but it's cool because like i can understand people that are on that track because i literally was there and i yeah. wouldn't have that ability i and to connect with different people mm-hmm. if i hadn't like pushed myself to and had people around me that pushed me right like but yeah i think just how much i've like pushed myself yeah out of my comfort zone sometimes is something that i'm really proud about because good yeah uh, 
what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, if you look at my kindergarten, you know, you know, like parents had mm-hmm. those little books that they only fill out for the first like two years of your life yep. <laughs> and then they like drop off. Um, so mine said I wanted to be a princess, a queen, a fairy, and then an actress. Mm. But the cool thing is I kind of am doing all that stuff now. Terry's like, I'm a I dress like a princess. <laughs> like I like my pastel princess colors. I like sparkle things. Uh, I get to dress people up and feel like they're royalty, which is fun. You're like a magical adult, basically. Yeah, basically I'm like a fairy godmother. I fucking love it. Like, bippity-boppity-boo, you look freaking amazing. Um, but then, And then the actress piece of it, like, I always like that idea of, like, obviously being on camera or, like, uh, I'm very shy, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I like being in front, like, I always liked kind of that audience. idea of being... Not performing necessarily. I think just at that time, that was what what my representation of somebody that influences people was. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, an audience. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Oprahs or Sally Jesse Raphaels or like that. That was like or like actresses in movies. But also as a kid, uh, also write a writer was something that was really big for me. Yeah. Um. And so I think actress goes hand in hand with that because writing was my, like I would always write stories to help me process what I was going through. Mm. Um. Like as a kid being bullied or whatever. So I think I like the idea idea of being an actress because it would give me uh I could look at my life from the point of view of somebody else hmm. and say and I think that maybe is one of the things that helped me develop empathy I was to say, say well, how did that help you like how why do you think you kept engaging in that like, right what were you be, getting from that yeah because now it's like okay if you were this character also I was reading a lot but like if you were this character hmm. you can understand why they would behave the way that they would and I'm kind of using that same mentality now when I do coachings or hmm. um or when I help people is like okay I can understand why you would do that yeah but like but then work backwards with them from that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's so, not, like, like not personal. It's not yeah. all just your perspective. Like, you're able to yeah, get outside so I, of yourself. Yeah, so I think I'm able to put myself into these different characters to help them. So I think that, like, as a kid, you don't have that kind of vocabulary to express that. But I think that's what I saw as actresses went or... Like, understanding uh, people. Understand, yeah, exactly. Like, having a deeper understanding of a character. A character and why they do what they do. Yeah, motivation behind things. Yeah. yeah, especially as a kid when you don't understand the world. And there's yeah. so much, like, you see, like, there's, like, the bad person even. And it's like, well, why are they like that? Like, yeah, you can yeah, actually I always it. would question that kind of stuff. Instead of being a victim, I feel like, oh, I'm helpless. Like, I'm like, oh. I can actually overcome this, like, you know. Because my thing would be, like, even in, like, Disney movies with the villain, I'm like, oh, I wonder why he's the way that he is. Childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah, like, literally, I was, even then, I was trying to figure out motivation behind people's behaviors. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Which, they're always, they're, like, See, that's why like, these discovery questions are good, because, like, looking back, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense why I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise you're, yeah. What about you? Uh, lots of things. I wanted to be a vet and a marine biologist. <laughs> I remember that. Maybe that's why I've been dreaming about water. <laughs> um the whales yeah yeah no i yeah a vet and a marine biologist like i loved animals i yeah i don't know i kind of had a bunch of different things growing up like i'd always play like i had a lot of pretend like games i'd play like i'd always would do like okay come to my restaurant like here's a pot of like i put in it a tomato and like a fake <laughs> cauliflower it's my soup you know and then yeah it demanded a lot of attention um <laughs> 
I did like the idea, like when I was super little, of being like a princess. Like for Halloween every year, I was like a princess slash bride slash whatever, like something in a big dress. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, lots of different things. I kind of was very like creative and just very, yeah, I don't know. I like a teacher was something I thought about too. I would teach people as a kid, like I'd have school and I would. Well, and that was something too, actually, that, uh, it's interesting. So there was a few things actually that reminded me of when I was a kid with Corey. Yeah. We had the CPK radio, which was Cabbage Patch Kid radio. Oh yeah. So like, even then I was doing (laughs) podcasts, we would tape record ourselves, like having these like, my mom found the cassettes actually, I wonder if she still has them. But so like, even then we were doing radio, but then the teaching thing is like, we'd have our Cabbage Patch Kids as our children. Mm -hmm. We pretend. But, like, I was always, I never wanted to be a mom. I always wanted to just be the, like, okay, kids, like, come on, it's time to get together. And, like, this is the activities we're doing. Like, it was very much a teacher role. And my sister very much was the mother. Like, Mm. she would mother the the children, the Cabbage Patch kids. That's cute. And stuff like that. But, yeah, looking back, that yeah, that just kind of triggered that for me. Interesting. It made me think of it from that perspective, yeah. Huh. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm trying to think of other things, too. Like, I... I wanted to be a fashion designer. Uh, that was something I liked to like. I liked that idea. I'm trying to think of anything else. I think I had radio, or I was really into music. I always liked mm. music a lot as a kid. Like not playing it myself, but I always liked listening to music. Like, and even now, like I like to always have music on. So mm. something with that. I don't know. Lots of different things. <laughs> um, how does this match up to who you are? Oh, we kind of talked about that. I think. Yeah, I think we. Yeah. Uh, who is your best friend in your elementary school? So Steph, well, okay, so in young, young years, my best friend was Taylor Kellenchuk and Dustin Tamblin, my two buddies. Um, <laughs> yeah, they would probably be my best friends back then. And then in grade six is when I met Stephanie, and mm. Stephanie and I are still really good friends. And Dustin and I, it's like, so when I meet up with Dustin, it's like no time has passed. Like, we're like the same hmm. Yeah, the Do same. you still see them, like, often? Well, Dustin lives out in Calgary, so I don't... Only when we go out there, sometimes I'll try to meet up with him. But cool. uh, Stephanie lives here, so I see her, like, once a month. That's cool that you actually still, like, reach and, like, stay in touch, though. Oh, and, and I shot like... Dustin's wedding, which was really cool. Oh, that is... That's actually... That's Yeah, cool. so we, we did drift apart a little bit in high school, because he was going through his stuff, and then I was... Yeah. You know, high school, that's what happens. Um, but then every time we would meet up after that, which wasn't often, like, we'd only meet up sometimes, like, later on in our adulthood but every time we meet it's like we're the same people that we were when we were kids um as far as like you under you have this like connection connection. yeah 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 yeah. taylor i haven't seen but that was because i professed my love for him in grade nine and that did not end well so (laughs) so taylor if you hear this i apologize (laughs) it's just like it's like i'm married now it's like it's it's just awkward i'm sorry i made it awkward for us <laughs> okay. Um, let me look at my best friend in elementary. Okay, well, I moved around a lot as a kid, but um, I had a best friend named Julia. And it's funny because I also in high school and still have now a best friend named Julia, but different Julia. Oh, I um, thought it was the same one. No, I was no, like, no, oh, different. she's gonna hear this and no. love it. Maybe you manifested now, Julia. No, I don't. It's super like, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's funny because now, yeah, so both, but yeah, she's from Virginia. Uh, Mackenzie was another one I had, uh, I'm trying to think. I had a lot of like friends, but I kind of like lost touch with them. Like I did about a year of pen pal or two years of pen pal with people, um, as a kid, but I just like, it was hard with moving around and just, yeah, that would be hard. 
And then I have a cousin though, who is like 10 months apart in age. And like, we've always, it's kind of like that because I feel like she, like we grew up together in that, like she didn't live in the same place for a lot of years, but like she'd come visit. So like she was somebody where consistently over time, she's close enough in my like age. Yeah. And she was able to kind of like, you know, so Relate. we hung out a lot as kids. So like whenever we could, yeah. So, and I still see her like obviously. So it's cool. Awesome. But yeah. Do you, okay, this next question is, what do you remember about your friends from junior high? Oh, so junior high, so that's like grade seven to, seven to yeah, and seven to nine in my school, but, um, so that's when I developed feelings for Taylor. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. Uh, and then I wrote him a letter over the summer professing my love to him, and he read it to the class, but whatever, I mean, it's fine, it happened, and then at least I knew how he didn't feel about me <laughs> so it's over that's fine uh but St that was when stephanie and i became really close like we would pass notes back and forth and like she was really good at like i think junior high is such a toxic time anyways yep. um because there's so many like your emotion i just remember my emotions feeling so heavy like and deep and it's like, ugh, like everything's like so dramatic yep. i'm watching dawson's creek right now and i'm like oh yep. but um but I remember, like, yeah, Stephanie was a really good constant for me uh, mm. in that I could always depend on her to, like, have my back or, like, or at least just to sit with me. Like, she, like, that way. Was Does that person. make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so it was really nice to have that. The other thing was, though, I was pretty, I was pretty independent even then, and I didn't need, well, at least I didn't think I needed anyone like if you that were makes defined sense. by your group like you were yeah like by, i was oh, totally fine to also just like be by myself at recess time or yeah. like or process things or keep myself busy doing stuff that i liked like it wasn't like i needed friends but that's what the one thing that i do remember i also remember feeling like very heavy feelings like towards the fact that i like taylor and he liked somebody else so like that would make me really angry mm -hmm. and so i would every recess i would like bang the volleyball against the wall like i would but it made me really good at the sport so that mm. was good <laughs> But, mm. like, I figured out ways to channel all those really heavy emotions, like, either alone or with with friends. Get it out of your body, out of your head. Like, yeah, kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably, like, in junior high, that's what I remember most. We, I, I, like, our school was very small, so we had, like, 12 kids in our class. Yeah. So we all knew each other, you know what I mean? It was slim pickings, so. <laughs> yeah, see, like, it, I can't even imagine that because I was just so different from, like, mine where I was moved around so much, so I just was, like, different groups every couple of years. But yeah, like, yeah, that makes sense, though. Um, I guess, I'm trying to think for me. Like, I, junior high, I was, that, I guess, is kind of when, like, my, like, Luke and I met. Um, people were very, <laughs> what I remember about them, they were not, they were very uh, religious. Oh, yeah, you went to a private school? Uh, yep, that's, like, I'm thinking that was about that time. They were religious. They came from families that were very, uh, what I think now as hypocritical because mm -hmm. that's not what Jesus would do, but it's like, you don't need to judge me, like whatever, or like judge yeah. people. There's a lot of that. And a lot of like adults who were very confusing and, and with values, like, or saying things that were just complete like bullshit. Mm -hmm. But at the time your mind is like, you're a kid. So you're like, oh, okay. I'm like very trusting and mm -hmm. it's authority figures. Um, and it was a lot of like good and bad, like polarity, like a lot of like 
you're either wrong or you're right. Like, it's a sinner, it's not kind of a thing. Mm. And it was just weird. So my peer group kind of reflected that a lot in, like, a lot of judgmental things, like, very judgmental of other people. A lot of uh, shame. Like, mm-hmm. they would shame people. It was, like, you're, like, sinning kind of that idea. Yeah, like, I could see that. And it that is just, like, really toxic. And uh, it's interesting because I still like I do have some people in my life that were from that time and like it's weird because like as a whole everybody that I talk to that is now in a similar spot to me they're all like that was so toxic and like (laughs) fucked up basically so we're all like okay but there are still people that from that we kind of grew apart from and they're still very much from what I have seen they're still on the same same level they're still doing that same stuff as adults which if that's what works for them but that was just terrible for me yeah Um, what did you remember about your friends from high school? So high school was interesting because I had, like, basically I was a band geek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was an athlete mm-hmm. and I was an academic. So mm-hmm. I was like, the one group that I never really hung out with were like the smokers, <laughs> essentially. So like the friends that I had were mostly people that I hung out with probably in band because band I was in like three different band classes for the most part Mm -hmm. um but like I was pretty like generous with my time with everyone I just kept so busy doing the stuff that I liked Mm -hmm. that I didn't have time to notice if anybody was making fun of me like my sister would always tell me like oh like these people were making fun of you and I was like I I don't know. I don't even care. Like, I'm so busy doing my shit. I don't really know. I never really cared. Like, I was just like, I'm having fun. I don't care. Well, yeah, and you know like, that if you sports. did care, it would stop you. So, like, yeah. You like, yeah. So, I was like, don't tell me about it. It doesn't matter. But um, I hope you stood up for me. But she didn't sometimes, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. But um, but I didn't know about it. So, it was okay. So, I think for me, um, the friendships that I had, too, in each of those groups were people that were like me. In that we never really belonged, belonged. But we were very achievers in the things that we were in so uh in academics like my friend ray and she's like studying she's just like cancer research now like super academic and her and i like like i would always i would feel challenged by her which was good like i surrounded myself with people that were better than me at those things um and then um yeah so there was her for that and then for band class i had like allison brown who was like uh she played saxophone Mm -hmm. next to me and stuff so we were We'd always be like, we're like, oh, we're so bad. And what we do is we set our watch alarms to go off at the same time. Like, that's literally how bad. We're so (laughs) rebellious. Um, Shit like that. And then in uh, volleyball or, like, sports or whatever, Stephanie was, like, pretty constant. Like, volleyball, badminton. Her and I were badminton team um, and stuff like that. I can totally see Oh, we would, would, like, piss people (laughs) off because we would just talk the whole time on the court. Yeah, I could see that. They'd be like, can you, they, one, one team actually like went to the ref and was like, can you tell them to stop talking, please? <laughs> you and someone have a really, you guys have a really cute like friendship yeah, bond. Like, we're just, like, funny. Cool. Yeah. You guys have we're a, goofy. You have it. a nice bond. Um, yeah. remember about your, my friends. Okay. Well, a lot of my friends from high school, I've actually like retained because they've been understanding and willing to be open-minded as I've gone through this like radical life shift. But awesome. like. Yeah, and my closest, like, out of my closest five girlfriends, like, four of them, I'm still very close with, so that's cool. They've changed a lot, too. Like, they've gone their own ways, but it's nice because we're very different, but I think that's almost good because, like, for me, I go to them when I'm like, what do you think? Because I want grounding. 
Mm. Like they're really good at like making my like fluttery like ideas and kind of that stuff a little bit more practical in a way. Yeah. Because sometimes I get so caught up in like just like a flurry of stuff. And even back in the day, like they were always good at like helping. Like if I get a lot of anxiety, they're good at like bringing me down, like down to like, okay, yeah. like that's all good. Like nobody cares, like whatever. <laughs> um, so that's like, yeah, I definitely rely on my friends for that. But yeah, awesome. but they're still pretty much in my circle, but I don't really go out with them when they, like, I mean, I guess pre-COVID, like they would go out and do stuff, but I'm not really like big on that. And I haven't really been for the last couple of years. So I kind of took a step back from like those social things with them, but like, I'd rather just go for coffee and like talk about like real life problems. Yeah. You know what same. I mean? And actually have like a meaningful like a conversation, like philanthropic discussion or like something that about like values and like, yeah. you know, it's kind of a sense. Um, <laughs> what did you do after high school? So I went immediately to university mm-hmm. um, where I just kept studying. Uh, by the third year of university, though, I basically didn't do anything. Like, I just wanted to be done school. Like, I was over it. Like, brain was like mush. Well, yeah, and like, in university is kind of dumb because they're like, you have to take all these courses that you will never use, but it's part of your requirements. Because we say so. Like, yeah, and that's the only reason, and none of it was practical, and I kind of started to see that about my second year in. Mm-hmm. When I took classes, I'm like, what does this, this mean? What am I going to do with this now? Yeah, this means nothing. So I was very fortunate that I was able to take classes, like, int- like the advanced creative writing course made a big difference for me, and... Like, I sought out courses that I knew I would get some benefit from in some capacity. And I had, like, I had no problem dropping the courses that didn't. And then after that um, is when I kind of started traveling and stuff. Well, it was during that that I started traveling to Mm. the U.S. for the first time. And then that's when I went to Korea. Travel, travel, traveled. Yeah, real real travel. Yeah. Mm. What about you after high school? Um, Well, I worked at Hooters. Um, which was something that was Tim Hortons. Yeah, <laughs> both um, pimping us, ourselves out. It's fine. A mind just incorporated. Mine just incorporated tan pants and a visor. <laughs> no big deal. Mine was orange shorts <laughs> and booty shorts and tube socks. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and double push-up bras. Like wasn't allowed to work there. <laughs> you would have been quite the team back then. <laughs> oh yeah, quite the duo. Oh um, god. But yeah, no, I worked at Hooters when I was 18, which is kind of an interesting thing, just to say I did it. I'm happy that was a limited time. I don't think <laughs> that too. was great for my, my mental health for yeah. a long term, but it definitely... You know what? You learn something. You learn, yeah. And also, like, you know, it's, yeah, made me stronger. Um, also, like you, I went into university right away. I thought I wanted to go into business school, mm-hmm. and at the time, I... I got, like, I got into the business school here, actually, like, as early admissions, but I failed my math exam, and I graduated with math uh, with, like, a 50% on the dot, so I lost my, like, advanced entry kind of a thing, because oh. I did pass, but I just barely passed, mm-hmm. so they were like, yeah, no, and <laughs> to be honest, I don't think yeah. I would have done well in business school, not that age, not where I was at, I think even now... I don't think that would have been the right program for me. Like, I think I, like, I don't think I would have wanted to learn a lot of the math stuff. Like, and I it's very theoretical. It. And... Yeah. So, yeah. And then I ended up just uh, working a bunch of serving jobs. I kind of, like, I had a lot of my friends go away for school, which was hard on me. I did kind of make friends in university, but nobody really, like, stuck in yeah. the same way. Like, it wasn't, like, I had friends, but I, they weren't really people that I 
really like it wasn't deep friendships like i think I too to like have, here like, it, are, like our university is just different we don't have sororities really we don't yeah. have like there's no experience there's no really. big events that like bring you to bond with people like overly too much i don't think no. like the way there is in like your high school and junior high and so on yeah i think if i would have gone away for school like some of my girlfriends did like they have really close ties mm. to their people because they had that experience and right you, yeah and i didn't i didn't do that and so i feel like maybe that was the difference but mm. yeah no and then after i did that i just um like it was like doing modeling too and yeah i mean you've kind of known me since that part of my life so yeah you kind of saw that um okay uh how many more questions we got quite a few oh no maybe we'll separate this into two podcasts i was thinking that um where have you traveled to that changed your life either for good or for bad Mm, well everywhere i've traveled (laughs) has changed me in some capacity um the first place I traveled to was just to the States to work as a camp counselor. Like all my, that was the first time I traveled on my own. Mm-hmm. So that like obviously impacted me immensely and like <laughs> made me like addicted to traveling. So mm-hmm. there was that. Um, and then, and then Korea of course changed my life. But um, basically every time I've traveled anywhere, there's been something that has changed the way I either see the world or see myself and find out what I'm made of. And, like, see how you fit into the world. Yeah. Like, like where you... Yeah, you know. like, travel is one of the best things people could do. I know, and I remember you saying that to me and me being like, oh. You're like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, what about for you? Oh, wow. Well, Minneapolis? I, yeah, Minneapolis <laughs> was something. No, I think, if I think back to, like, my first kind of, like, one that was like hard for me i'm trying to think not hard it could also be a positive uh i don't know it's kind of tough like i i did travel but i haven't traveled as much as i i want to but i don't really know i'm trying to think have you ever traveled on your own you know actually no this is this is one when i went to see my great grandma in ferguson missouri i was like nine years old and i was living in iowa at the time so we just drove and we were staying, my, both my grandmas, my great grandmas lived there. And my grandmas both passed away when I was like, like three years old, like, or, like, or before then. So I never really had a bond with them, like a real like bond that I can remember. But, um, my great grandmas were both still alive. So I kind of, the one I was closer to, the other one was a little bit, um, kind of her health issues were pretty bad. So it wasn't like we really could have a relationship, but Anyways, uh, we went to go see her place, and she is, like, a actual hoarder. Mm-hmm. And seeing that house and seeing, like, the living conditions and, like, it was just, it, like, changed my, it, I, like, traumatized me, and it just changed my perspective a lot on things. And, like, it's weird to think that, like, she's my, like, grandma, and, like, she was, like, <laughs> like, it was just, like, was such a weird, it was such, like, a mind, mind fuck for me at the time. So, yeah, that definitely changed my worldview and opened it up a little bit and then I think yeah like the Minneapolis thing and stuff like that happening where I'm like uh like the Minneapolis thing Terry was talking about earlier is just I got dropped off <laughs> at Burlington Coat Factory in Minneapolis <laughs> because the Burlington Coat Factory in North Dakota I think it is uh, I've gone to before and they always have like you know at the time I was super into like I don't know just being like bougie and wanting all this lame logo stuff. I was like, oh, I'll get it. It's like a winner's kind of. And then, but it, but I don't know why the one I went to in Minneapolis was just. I was 
I, I was overwhelmed because I was the only white person in the store and I had never like had that experience before, which is so bad, but it, like, that's just like, and I had such bad anxiety. Like as soon as I walked in, I just was like, holy fuck, like, what do I even do? And I always think about that now. And I'm like, that's how so many people must feel as minorities. Like it's actually so anxiety provoking. Cause you're just like, it's just such a weird thing. And I, I had never experienced that before because I had never been the minority. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's, it's but that's it was, good that it gave you like that kind of perspective on that. Yeah. Because like, it's like the fact, like if I think about like going to another country and being a minority like that, like that takes a lot of balls. And like, obviously there's situations where like you need to do it because there's not, not safe conditions or like you need to do it to survive or like, because you want to like leave where, like where you are, but it's like, yeah, it takes a lot of strength. I think it's just kind of a, yeah, it was a really, really, it was traumatizing, but it was a good trauma. Nicole, I, I came dropped home. you off. I know. Like, I, was, I, had to, I had to get my own way home and I was all upset. And then I came back because Terry and I were staying in an Airbnb. Well, we were busy shooting. Yeah. So then when I, yeah, cause you had to go do a shoot. And so yeah. I came back to the Airbnb and I was so dramatic. I like locked myself. Yeah. We room. never saw her for like 24 hours. I took a bunch of anti-anxiety meds. To be fair, she was also wearing a waist trainer, which probably couldn't cause most of this to happen. <laughs> All right, we're going to pause it here for this one, and then we'll see you in episode part two of this. Part two. Part two.